podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello. So we continue trundling along uh, in this most weird romp of a football season as the second game week back ends with the crowning of Liverpool as the Premier League champions. Congratulations, Scousers, especially those in the Hertfordshire area. Anyway, it's late and we're whizzing for a pod uh, for me to do the night shift to edit and publish for you guys overnight. Uh, but we're here to do it all the same. And it's nice to have a raison d'etre after all. Fresh from being unexpectedly called away last pod, Anthony and I are rejoined by arrested and no doubt reinvigorated Nick after his wildcard paid dividends this week. You're right, mate. That's two regular weeks in a row, isn't it? Uh, how you doing? Hey, Tom. Yeah, um, glad to be back. Congratulations to, to Liverpool and all the Liverpool fans who've been waiting 30 years to, to finally get that uh, Premier League title. So, yeah, fantastic news for that club. Um, just to say who we are, we are who got the assist. We're on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL for Thomas, at WGTA underscore Nick for myself, at FPL Stag for Anthony. And we're also on Instagram, WGTA.FPL. So, Mr. Stag, Anthony, how are you doing? What's on the agenda for this edition of the pod? Evening, lads. Um, it's, there's been an awful lot of uh, changes for me. Um, I've never lived in a world where Liverpool were league champions. And it almost feels like I've never lived in a world where I didn't have a crap game week. But both of those things have occurred this week. So, um, it's been kind of enjoyable. Um, so this week, as per the new running order, uh, we're going to start off with our own game week review and then we'll move on to the market forces. And then bearing in mind, of course, that we only have stats for two game weeks, so we can't use those, those to conclude like a huge amount. And strategically, people are all over the shop at this point. We're going to just do our best to focus on forwards at all the different price points and give you a good look at that area because that seems to be, especially given the Aguero and Abamyang sales that are going on, the, point, the place where people are focusing their attention at the moment. And we've noted, of course, in previous pods that there are an abundance op- of options here as well, because they're just every player brings their own questions, really, and their own baggage. There are form questions of the likes of Aubameyang, team questions for the likes of Puki, and then some teams are perhaps on the beach. And then, look, as per usual, we move on to our listener questions. We'll reveal our own teams and we'll have put it through our captaincy thoughts as well. But let's get on to the gamer reviews. Yeah, let's start at the bottom then. Start with me. Uh, so, yes, 70, 70 this week. I feel like FPL stag approximately a week ago. Um, <laughs> it's It was just, um, it's, it's a bit weird, isn't it, saying 70? Yeah, that was a bad game week. But it, it kind of was because for whatever reason, it just didn't work out. Like, I just kind of was watching throughout the whole kind of few days of, of action. It just never felt like anything happened for me. Like, I was watching uh, Man United play and Bruno, who was my captain, just Every time the ball was being played forward, it didn't seem to go anywhere near him. Like he just wasn't even picked up, and when it, when passes were being played, and there was one moment when Maguire had it in the net, and it was a Bruno assist, Maguire goal. I had both players and got ruled out. That kind of epitomised my game week, really. So he blanked, and then um, tonight as well, Bamiang blanks. I think those are the two kind of big players that I really need to come through this week. They just didn't. They just didn't at all. So yeah, seventy overall uh, highlights being Liverpool backline, uh, Van Dijk and TAA coming through. Jimenez, Salah, I mean, these are all players that are owned by everybody. So the fact that they all did something, but none of my other players did anything, meant that it was just a net little red arrow, basically. So basically just doing nothing. Sad, but there we go. There's always next game week, which is in two days' time. Stark, how do you do? 
Um, a little better, Tom, but not as good as Nick, um, which is just fine by me. I'm quite happy to be in the middle of the two of you for once, as opposed to just rock bottom. So I only had three players blank. So to kind of be somewhat disappointed or not overjoyed is kind of bizarre. So the three players that I had that blanked were Alex McCarthy, who I think arguably should nearly have had an assist for Nicotia's goal, Bruno Fernandes, Tom, you've dealt with, and then it was Mason Mount, who's kind of my differential player at this point, but I think I need to perhaps think about changing him up. My two transfers were selling... Jack Grealish and uh, Aubameyang pretty happy with that I brought in Rashford and I brought in Fernandez. okay one of them worked one of them didn't captained Rashford so it's 85 points overall um, with a hit in there so 81 net there's nothing all that interesting about the players that I had that scored I would say they're all relatively template except for maybe uh, Charlie Taylor and Harry Maguire who both got six so it's okay I'm happy with it it's better than normal at this point so we'll move on and Nick yeah, so um, this week I got 94 points, um, which um, I'm pretty happy with um, with my wild cards and how it's turned out. Uh, yeah, worked out very, very well. The only two players Tom mentioned already that blanked on my team were Fernandez and Aubameyang, who got a two-pointer, which was rubbish. But um, the rest of the team did really, really well. All five of my um, back line got clean sheets, so a nice 10-pointer in goal from Nick Pope. Um, Mason Holgate, yeah, with a seven-pointer, Trent Alexander-Arnold, 14, size 6, and so on to 8. Um, Mane and De Bruyne did the business in midfield. And uh, Rashford's got a couple of assists up front. And Jimenez, my captain, got 18 points. So, yeah, finally hitting the uh, top 100k for the first time in the season. So, that's uh, quite pleasing to see. So, yeah, very happy with that. Yeah, awesome. That's two really, really good weeks in a row for you, isn't it? And in, in contrast, for me scoring uh, 160, I think you've scored over 200, haven't you, in two weeks, which is, which is really damn good. So yeah, yeah. fantastic restart for you, uh, really getting into it. And to, to further your excitement, Nick, we're going to start off tonight's uh, pod market forces. No, you love doing it. Um, as Stag mentioned earlier on, that's going to be the way we're going to pivot into our main kind of talking point this week, which is the forward focus. But before we get caught in all that, uh, let's uh, look at the market forces first and kind of see how the market is reacting to all the events of the game we've just gone. Yeah, sure. So, uh, yeah, uh, time for market forces where we look at the movers and shakers in the market, see who's rising, see who's falling. Uh, yeah, as Tom said, a long time since I've done one of these. So uh, great to be uh, back looking at the numbers again. And uh, yeah, the most transcendent player this week, no surprises really, is Anthony Martial uh, with 130,000 transfers in at time of recording. Um, yeah, so obviously this guy just netted a hat-trick. It's, it's apparently the first hat-trick for Manchester United since the Alex Ferguson era, which I, I couldn't believe when I saw that statistic. Absolutely mental, that. But, uh, yeah, great week for um, Martial owners. Um, I know there's a few on Twitter later as a captain to him. So, yeah, great call there. Um, unfortunately, yeah, um, I sold him as part of my um, unlimited transfers wild card. So, yeah, it was a bit painful um, sort of jumping on the uh, the Benandes wagon. But, uh, yeah, looking like a great pick there. Lots of people, obviously, now with Manchester United's fixtures jumping on that wagon. Otherwise, um, in terms of midfielders, Traore, Adama Traore, sort of fourth most transferred in midfield uh, player at this moment in time with 49,000. Uh, transfers in, time of recording, a lot of interest in the uh, the Pacey Wolves winger, who's uh, got a couple of assists in the last couple of weeks, uh, linking it very well with uh, Raul Jimenez there. So, um, you know, at his price range, I think he's only about 5.7 or some 5.8. A lot of people were uh, clearly interested in him. And uh, yeah, I suppose the midfielder that's being sold is, is Jack Grealish. He's the second most transferred out mid uh, player at this moment in time. 80,000 transfers out for Jack Grealish. 
obviously a lot of people were looking at him when the unlimited transfers came into play because of the uh, double game week Faston Villa, but that's now three blanks in a row for Grealish, not doing much at all, and and with some tough fixtures coming up for Aston Villa, sort of Wolves, Liverpool, Manchester United, people are finally uh, getting rid of this guy. Uh, another pretty interesting thing that I'm seeing in the transfers out is just how fickle the FPL community can be in that Lundstrom, Baldock, John Egan, Dean Henderson are all amongst the most sold defenders and goalkeepers, which is um, pretty hilarious. And then another theme that I'm kind of noting is that you're seeing a few of the expensive strikers being sold, as you noted, Nick. But then it's just, I guess it just indicates who is playing well at the moment. But it's all, you know, upper mid-tier slash low elite tier players that are being brought in so the likes of the ones you named your Rashfords your Jimenez's your Tony Marshall's and maybe your Hungman Sons type but all it, it seems to be the pub of the transfers is in midfielders and forwards Yeah for sure I mean John Lindstrom fifth most transferred out player at this moment in time 32,000 transfers out Sheffield United just generally um, seem to be struggling a little bit since uh, the football resumed through injuries and, and various other reasons so a lot of people jumping off that wagon. But yeah, I guess um, the talking point is all about the forwards, isn't it? With Aguero being injured, he's the most transferred out player right now uh, with 135,000 transfers out. And a couple of other premium strikers who haven't done very well, Vardy and Aubameyang, both not scored. 70,000 transfers out for Vardy. Aubameyang has had 50,000 transfers out at the time of recording. Uh, but the players being brought in, the fours being brought in, a couple of them made sense to me. Rashford, 108,000 transfers in, second most transfer in player. Jimenez, obviously 84,000 transfers in. But Kane, reaching that top five most transfers in players with 46,000 transfers in. That one surprised me a little bit. Just the guy did yeah. score. But it, was, it was a five-point haul. It was, it was less than what Dan Byrne scored this game week, uh, to give it a little <laughs> bit of context, you know. It's, it, wasn't, it wasn't that amazing, was it? And Spurs don't have Brilliant fixtures, but clearly people jumping on the, the cane wagon there at, at 10.9 million. I don't know. We'll, I guess we'll talk about it a little bit later. I don't know what you think about that. That's bizarre, isn't it? I think there's an element of the fact that if you look at the names of the players who are being sold, Aubameyang, Aguero, and to a lesser extent Vardy, people suddenly have a lot of money. And what they do, they look to the most expensive player and use price as a heuristic for like value, basically, which is totally wrong. That's obviously not what we'd advise most of the time, but... Hey, you know, maybe there are some people who have got a particular love, Harry Kane. You're probably going to guess what we're all going to say when we get round to him, but there you go. But yeah, it, it does look like, um, just to move us on to the main topic, there is a lot of kind of uh, manoeuvring in the transfer markets rounding forwards at the moment. And I guess that has led, led us to kind of think, well, let's have a look at the forwards this week, because as Anthony said earlier on, we've got limited time. So we're led by the market forwards in some ways. And this looks like a pretty good subject to go into, because over the next day, uh, day and a half before the next deadline, I'm sure a lot of people are going to be deliberating, you know, what they hell do I do if I'm looking to sell Aubameyang looking to move Aguero on or maybe just looking to rejig and maybe look around the forward sort of area so yeah just just a caveat as well here we're going to be using a blend of uh, assumptions the last two game weeks data and a few other little bits and pieces from the eye test to make our judgments we trust you're able to understand that we're using a limited data set so I guess to start off with why are forwards important this year? Most forwards this year are, of course, talisman. Um, more than half of the top 20 by percentage of team points scored pre-lockdown were forward talisman. Nine of the top 10 talisman uh, by this measure were forward. So Puki, Ings, Aubameyang, Rashford were the top four. Then you have Richarlison. Then you had Jimenez, Vardy, Wood, IU. IU and Calvert-Lewin. Yes, IU was ninth, actually, incredibly enough. It shows how little Crystal Palace have actually scored going forward. 
But only 20% of our teams could be strikers. And it's kind of disproportionate. And that you see that kind of year on year. Um, but one really interesting point that I did fish out to show the kind of how important forwards can be, um, bearing in mind about talisman stuff, is that before lockdown, 23,192 points were scored. Um, only 16% of them were scored by forwards, actually. 42% score by midfielders, 33% by defenders, and 9% by goalkeepers. But looking at how that marries up the talisman data, it's clear that the quality of points that are scored by forwards is, is really important. Um, not all points, I guess, are created equally. And this year, particularly forwards, are getting the FPL points, which are of most interest to us as managers. They're the ones who, which are attacking points that make a difference to our overall rank, not the appearance. Or I mean, the clean sheets, arguably, but, but not the appearance, where they're sort of more, uh, more functional points as such. Um, this trend has continued too, by the way, which we'll talk about when we get to Jimenez. Um, but it's not always been the case, has it, Nick? I mean, last season, for example, it, it wasn't a bonanza of forwards. And in some ways, we're looking looking at how best to write off the third forward option, weren't we? Yeah, that was certainly the case that I was trying to argue last season when I was, you know, talking about the, the concept of the death of the third striker. And, and to be honest, I, I do feel that, that I was vindicated, in, in my opinions, from that season, the previous season before that. Um, and, and that was illustrated in, in the metrics. I mean... There weren't too many forwards that were really catching the eye last season. Perhaps um, Jimenez was the one that did emerge out of the shadows, a new player to the Premier League that really, really impressed. But besides, if you exclude, you know, your premium guys, the guys that could always deliver and very expensive FPL assets, obviously the likes of Aguero, you weren't really looking at a large subset of players or available guys that, you know, were actually doing much at all. We, we had the likes of Troy Deeney, the likes of Glenn Murray, um, and obviously uh, um, Tom's favourite from the time, Rondon. And, and these guys never really did much at all. And they were like priced at 6.5 million, often 7 million. And when you compared those guys to what some of the defenders were offering, for instance, last season, we had a Matt Doherty at 4.4 million who outscored all of those players that I just mentioned, the cheaper forwards. It kind of vindicated that argument that you could have like a back four and go for almost like a 4-4-2 lineup, which I actually spent most of my season with. Definitely interesting how it, how it swings per season like, in terms of prominence of certain positions. And certainly this year, um, as I've mentioned, it's definitely been a bit of a contrast between last season's sort of uh, interesting way of trying to fill the third forward position and this season where we, we, we would love to have a fourth forward spot, let's face it. We, we were actually asked an interesting question on this as well. So Sai, FPL Heroes and Villains uh, says, you know, compare Dominic Calvert-Lewin to VVD. Who wins? There's still a case for two forwards this year, um, using all of that um, kind of logic that you mentioned earlier on. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think there is a case for two forwards this year, and and you can easily one one aspect sort of outside of what forwards score is, is what you do with that extra slot. So uh, as I said about the death of the first striker this year, there are a few more players that are emerging, but um, you know. For instance, just this week, there's only been five forwards that have actually scored compared to the countless numbers of defenders who got clean sheets, which a clean sheet is four points, a forward goal is four points. Obviously, you might factor bonus points into there and a few other things. But um, the only players that scored were Niketia, Dwight Gale, uh, Jay Rodriguez, and then uh, Kane and Jimenez. No one else, no other forwards scored anything. But um, countless defenders got clean sheets, for instance, Sice, Roman Sice, one of my men, if he, if he was a forward, um, he's, Wolves have had six clean sheets in seven games. If he was a forward, that would be six goal, the equivalent of six goals in seven games and everyone would be bringing this guy in. But 
but obviously obviously they're not because um, you know people always look at the players who have scored and the forwards as opposed to the defenders and, and their clean sheets. So perhaps the D- DCL to Virgil van Dijk thing is a little bit of a misdirection as it's a rare example of a forward perhaps that's quite good value, but they are the same price. And if you look at root score, I would definitely say Virgil was better value still than, than uh, DCL because he's actually scored 41 points more than him. Um, and in Virgil van Dijk, there's only actually three forwards in the game that have scored more than him this season. Jimenez, Vardy and Aubameyang, and, and two of them we've just seen being heavily sold because forwards are the ones that we're constantly selling in and out all the time, aren't we? We're always transferring our forwards because we can never decide. And the other thing about forwards is there's it only feels like there's about 10 options in the forward line that are really actual genuine picks. And, and even that feels like a bit of a stretch considering Bumbos is uh, one of the top 10 scoring forwards in the games right now is Puki, who's only had two returns in the last 14 games. And then, yeah, the, the final point I thought I'd make... Uh, even though he's coming across a bit of a rant, is uh, Diego Jota. Do you know what? He's currently being outscored by uh, one of our uh, jokes, one of our jokes on the pod, Connor Cody. <laughs> Connor Cody. Um, Not the effort count. Is, is um, outscoring Jota right now. And even though we called him overpriced because he was five point near the million, but he's still outscoring the guy. Even, even Federico Fernandez, apparently, who didn't even play in the 10 opening fixtures, is it's doing better than uh, Jota, which is... Uh, quite interesting to see all right so zero value in the forward says nick so let's end the, end the podcast there <laughs> but, okay, who got the really, assist though. who got the assist <laughs> all right really all right, really though there is still obviously a lot of action going on although as you know as you mentioned in case here or greenwood are obviously great options of seven for seven for eight forwards maybe likes of foden might be that kind of fifth midfield you're talking about but there are lots of key individuals sort of going on around the kind of four category and it's good to know that and now let's kind of dive into them Anything to bear in mind though before we do? Like, does rest or rotation, Anthony, play a role in decision making? You know, targeting the opposition, like we spoke about last week, because there are quite a few players that we're going to talk about, like Rashford, like Jimenez, who definitely do um, have that kind of fixture as well as form element to what they uh, what they offer. So, so I, I've been thinking about this um, the rest question in particular because I, I think it's easy for people to see the truncated calendar that we have and to get quite concerned that players are going to be rotated etc and okay sure if you're following Manchester City you'd be quite concerned but let's say going forward because what's the point in looking back what's interesting about these partic- this particular game week is that there's actually like a huge gap um, in tough time which is like something we haven't necessarily become particularly used to for an awful lot of the teams have actual time to rest so aside from a few teams who are playing in the FA Cup, those being Arsenal, Chelsea, Leicester, Manchester United, Manchester City, Newcastle, Norwich and Sheffield United. Um, like all the rest of the teams have a week rest after this. So it's there isn't the same concern that we usually have. And looking at those FA Cup fixtures even, you might say Leicester and Chelsea is the only spicy fixture. And you might say that Arsenal are the only team who may play a strong team against Sheffield United. I think the other sides, your Uniteds, for example, who you might be worried about rest on another day playing Norwich. Come on, like they have a whole second tier set of forwards that they can put on. And if they need to reinforce it during the game, that's fair enough. So I think you could be worried about rest as much as you like, but... I don't think it's a bigger factor than usual at this moment. And I don't think that you should be too concerned about it going forward either. Um, And whether your opposition has got the rest or doesn't either, 
it, it kind of seems like one of those nebulous distractions that it's very easy to get your spreadsheets up and get your, you know, oh, two days and 17 hours between games. Oh no, they, the defenders have two days and 18 hours. We're going to get so worried, but it doesn't matter. And then targeting opposition, like, yeah, like there, there are five really crap teams in this division at the moment since the restart. The bottom five have played 11. They've won absolutely none. They've drawn three of them, and two of those, I think, were by Villa. Um, they've lost eight then, obviously, the remainder. They've scored five, three, and they've conceded 14. Like, just, like, obviously, you target them, and it's no different any other season, but I think we've got a particularly poor and out of form, it might be worth adding, bottom five here. Yep, certainly makes sense. Uh, there is a good spreadsheet by Ben Quellen actually looking at the rest schedules, um, but I just wouldn't get too worried. And I'd also kind of think about confirmation bias a little bit like am i reading this just to confirm my own biases because as anthony says look at the other side of it the opposition also may have less time to rest too which i'll come on to with my captain pick right at the end of the pod but yeah it's, it's ridiculous and equally ridiculous is how badly that kind of bottom five are as we said last week i think that two of them are going to stay up just by dint of well obviously norwich are down but a couple of them are just going to stay up just by dint of being less worse than the rest. It's not about them being better, it's about them being less worse. That is uh, pretty pretty crazy. Uh, so starting off then with uh, with the forwards, though, um, I guess uh, in terms of the market forces, we're seeing a lot of Rashford action. Um, I mean, he got two assists, didn't he, um, for, uh, this weekend for Martial? And uh, yeah, I mean, he's only had one shot on target in the two games that we've seen so far back. But he does have the highest XA of any other for- of any forward of 0.99. Obviously, as I mentioned, he made two for Martial last game. I guess his time will come. He's had 14 touches in the box, second to Firmino in the last two. He's had the most entries into the box as well, according to uh, FF Hub stats. Great fixtures: uh, Brighton, Bournemouth, Villa, Southampton, Crystal Palace, West Ham, Leicester. Uh, given how crap Leicester looks, none of those are a worry. I mean, he could well be a really interesting pick for a lot of people. Like, he's certainly top of the list for me once I do sell with Aubameyang eventually um, to, to be that replacement. That's quite interesting because I own Rashford and captained Rashford in the last game week. So I enjoyed the two assists and wished that he'd taken, I guess, the one big chance that he really had in the game. I think he only had one big chance per the stats as well, but he really had one good chance and didn't really take it. But I think with Rashford, the problem is, is that you have that other option, which is Martial, who's a million less. He's a midfielder, so he gets more for his goals. Rashford no longer takes penalties all the time, let's say. we've There's a bit of uncertainty about what that particular football.london article meant, where Fernandez said that if the second penalty in the previous game, that Rashford would have taken it. But does this mean that they're rotating it, or does that just mean that Fernandez doesn't like taking two penalties in one game, in which case, pff, doesn't that's, you know, it's a once-in-a-season type of problem. Um so in doing that, I've, I've thought about Rashford a bit more long term and I've looked at the last 10 appearances that each of Rashford and Martial uh, made before the break. And OK, Rashford does have better stats and involvement overall, uh, but they're both equally as active in the box. And I guess when it comes to goals scored, that's the thing that really matters. Rashford was ahead on goals in that particular period, but he was helped by penalties. So for a million less, Martial is really putting him under pressure where it really matters. Now, if Rashford had the penalties, I think he'd edge towards them. And this is speaking as someone that owns Rashford, by the way. Like, given that we, as we're about to maybe go through in detail, but as we've said already, there are so many other forward options. Like, I think having a 5 to 6.5 million forward and combine him with Anthony Martial is probably better than having Rashford with, let's say, your 6 million-ish alternative, your Grealish, maybe Pulisic in fairness. But outside of that, it's, it's not a particularly good option. So like, based on the value, I think it's Martial that you'd be thinking about picking up instead of Rashford. But if you have Rashford, 
you're probably not going to sell him. Yeah, I've got Rashford. He came in on, on my wild card. Um, and certainly, I, I think he, he is one of the, the standout picks right now in, in the forward line. I don't think, I don't think there is a, a great deal of options out there, to be honest, to, to spend the money on. Um, and I, I noted that when I was sort of looking in terms of my, my cash cow, Aubameyang, in terms of who I replace him with, um, when I, I looked to perhaps disinvest after the Norwich game, and I had sort of this sort of 9 million, or 8.9 million, which seemed, felt like a very sort of awkward price point in that forward line. And I couldn't really see anyone that caught my eye outside the players I already had. And going to minutes in a minute but Rashford was the, the other forward I had and and I think he is definitely one of the standout picks just because of those Manchester United fixtures and, and his form obviously was injured and um, you know we can't really look too much in detail in terms of the stats because obviously everything has happened but this was basically his breakout season you know before this season he, he hadn't really done too much but this season he's got sort of 14 goals to his name um, which is by far his record and, and seven assists and, and that Manchester United team really starting especially with Bernandes joining really starting to look very free-throwing and um, you know very prominent and yeah those United fixtures basically they don't play any of the traditional top six up until, um, up until the end of the season now do they so I think they've got Brighton, Bournemouth, Villa, Southampton, Crystal Palace, West Ham look like a team you you can easily triple up on. And, and if, you know, Martial's looking pressing a lot, but you can get Martial, Fernandez, Rashford, and that would be quite a aggressive Manchester United lineup. But you know, it, easily understandable considering the fixtures and and the way they they played, and they basically tore apart Sheffield United as well. Yeah, they're very good. And I think we've got some questions on kind of the the optimal triple later from Manchester United. But no, I take both your points. I think. It's, it kind of sounds like you both own and Nick's more about kind of the fixtures, whereas uh, Anthony, it sounds like you're kind of a bit, bit regretful, really, of owning Martial, uh, owning Rashford. Kind of wish you'd gone to Martial instead. It feels like kind of don't buy, don't sell is what you're saying. I'm, I get, it's not that. I think it's more. I'm just, I'm just wondering if I had, let's say, about 16 million to spend. But if I put eight million into your Tony Martial, and then I've, I've nine million to put into a striker, I, I think I can do something kind of interesting there outside that with the rest of my squad to maybe actually have Salah and Mane again for example those are the sort of funds that make a difference and when you've got DCL, Jimenez, Ings all these cheaper options available in the forward line not to mind your Nikesias and your Greenwoods who are look they're, they're good value for what they are um, as a third striker option you do wonder like there are some you could get a really really powerful four midfield slash five midfield if you really want to if you save that money that Rashford and Martial will be part of that five. Sure. All right. Now, I mean, I do. Um, I see where you come from. I do, I do quite like uh, Rashford, though. Um, it's really interesting to see also that Rashford and Mar- Martial's ownership is now shooting up towards Rashford. So it was kind of, I think, 7% last week. And now, since the hat trick, that's doubled. He's now up to 12.6% um, right now. And uh, Rashford's up to 18%. So I expect both of them will be very, very similar before long. And I expect you're going to probably find that. Um, yeah, uh, one's not going to be much of a differential over the other. So it's more just kind of which one fits your team structure, perhaps, because maybe you might want a Mares, as you mentioned, Stag, and then you have a you have a free striker slot. So then 
logically Rashford fits into that, obviously, rather than having to try Jimmy around. Maybe you might not want um, Jesus, who we're going to speak about in a minute. Uh, but you have mentioned another guy, uh, Jimmy, honest Jimmy. As I mentioned earlier on, at the moment, the forwards actually haven't scored that many points. Um, he's actually the highest scoring uh, forward since the restart with 17 points. Um, but unfortunately, that's that's not particularly great. So just to give you some context, um, that's actually level with Fabinho as the seventh highest point scorer. And he's been outscored by the likes of Matt Ritchie, Phil Foden and Michael Keane, which highlights how any conclusions drawn on two weeks data are questionable at best. Um, but nevertheless, uh, Jimmy's uh, talismanic qualities are clear to see. Uh, 0.9 XG, two goals scored, the postman of FPL, who's entering a, a level of dependency that's increasingly seeing him entering the captaincy conversation. Indeed, Nick, this week you did uh, put the caption on Honest Jim, didn't you? It is honest work, but he's going to get through it for you, isn't he? Yeah, certainly he has proved himself as a, a solid pick and, you know, D is D Talisman, the anchor man in that Wolves team. And, um, you know, that Wolves team have been brilliant this season, haven't they? And, uh, and that's um, partly down to the honest work that Jimenez has been putting in, the shift he's been putting in each game. We, we, don't, we don't see many hauls from the guy, unfortunately. The, the, sort of the double figure return is, is quite rare. There's only been three so far this season, and one of them was 13, and the highest of those was 13 points. So it's not often that you see the, the massive returns from the guy, but, you know, he's, he's just so consistent, isn't he? And know we're sort of talking mainly about the last couple of game weeks he scored in both those games, but before that as well, he was banging them in, 15 goals to his name. And just in terms of the underlying metrics we've seen over the course of the season, he's been top for got, uh, forwards for shots, top for forwards on shots and target. Yeah, tops for chances created as well, 16 assists to his name, so he's, he's not selfish either. I think only only Vardy, in terms of goals and assists combined, has done more than him this season. So, yeah, yeah very, very good season for him. And uh, certainly, um, I think... Uh, a key element to our FPL teams. I think what's interesting about him is, and it's something that maybe is probably concerning people if they, if they don't have him, but like, why don't you have him as kind of as a shield pick at minimum? But he's he's actually had five shots since the return of football. Um, that's less than the likes of uh, Greenwood, Maupay, James Ward-Prowse. And I guess as a player that, as you've noted, Nick, had, had more shots than anyone else in the league or any forward at least, um, it's quite interesting that he's had such a marked drop-off considering Wolves have had quite good fixtures. And I'm wondering, is that a systemic thing? Is that a Jimenez thing? Is it just, it's two games, you can't draw much conclusions from the data type thing? Hard to know, of course, but worth looking at and certainly worth ignoring for now. But keep in mind, perhaps. Yeah, definitely. I think either way, the key question is, if you don't own him, why not, effectively? Um, you know, quite a few of the uh, a few of the algorithms are now saying that he's probably the captain du jour uh, for next week because of Aubameyang's drop-off. And you know, there are great fixtures coming up. Aston Villa, Arsenal, Sheffield United, Everton, uh, Burnley, Crystal Palace and Chelsea. None of them are worrying for Jimenez and Wolves. And there's no FA Cup as well. Um, so they've got a decent amount of rest between fixtures if that is something that worries you. So, for example, they've got five and a half days, that extra half a day is really important guys between Aston Villa and Arsenal so yeah Jimenez honest man buy him in let's move on elsewhere to uh, a few more esoteric picks shall we say because I mean say you've got a Jimenez and say you're looking at Rashford to fill that kind of forward slot for, for United that's probably two I think it goes without saying that we've all got Jimenez and I think that I'm guessing all of you who are listening also got Jimenez so speaking around to more other forward options 
there are, uh, yeah, things start to get a little bit more dicey, don't they? I mean, to start off with uh, Tammy and Giroud, because we don't know which one you'd get. And that within, in of itself means that it's an avoid. You should probably be looking at Azpilicueta, Pulisic, Mount, whatever, just putting it in somewhere else. But, I mean, they do enter the conversation, don't they? Because the fixtures are quite good. West Ham, Watford, Crystal Palace, Sheffield nice and, and Norwich in the next five. And they did just beat Man City to hand Liverpool the title. Does the rotation just mean there are no? Yes, the rotation does mean, I think, that there are no. And especially when you consider that Pulisic, if anything, seems to be getting the better chances of them as well. Excellent. Put, put that in the bin and move on then. It's one of those things that we have to mention it because everyone would be like, why, why didn't you talk about the Chelsea strikers? Well, that's why not. Moving on to someone else we perhaps should be talking about. Kane. Brackets WTF. So it was a fantastic uh, finish from the defensive midfielder from Sonsball last game, as uh, Nick noted, for that massive five-point haul. I think that that's probably the biggest abuse of the word haul I've ever heard, actually. Um, but there are a few things that that's actually recommend him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm aware of banter, Nick. Um, <laughs> there are a few data points, actually, that do recommend Kane, funnily enough. I, I did have to scrabble around for them. Uh, but since the restart, he's actually got the second highest XG um, with 1.5. 0.38 more pie is actually first with 1.42 but 0.75 of that is a pen so in reality Kane's xg non-pen is actually the highest of any forward uh, since the restart i.e two games data guys but is he value for money at 10.9 he'll play his ownership is now 11.2 percent so a little bit of a differentiator and he'll play he'll definitely play he'll play 90 minutes is that enough is that really enough come on come on um what do you guys think? Like if I wanted dependable, you know, five or six point performances at the moment, um, I'd probably go for a Manchester United defender or a Wolves defender like size. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I think Harry Kane is probably going to get a few goals and we'll probably see maybe five or six up until the end of the season from him. I think he's going to continue to score. But at 10.9 million for, for five or six goals, I think that's just probably you know, better value options out there, you know, maybe something like Calvin Lewin, you get an extra four, four and a half million to, to bolster your midfield and upgrade some players and stuff. So I think if from a Spurs perspective, I think there's other picks like Son that I would probably recommend over Kane at this moment in time. There you go. It's almost like, again, two weeks data, very difficult to judge anything from. Um, so while we're in the sort of Neverland of bizarre picks, um, one man has come up in question. So Charles Hazel, your mum's athletic asked, Jesus, trap or the second coming? I guess the abiding mantra for years and years in FPL has been, if one of Man City strikers is out, get the other one. However, Pep, of course, clearly delights in being a massively unpredictable human being. Um, I mean, he did suggest in his press conference no one could play every game and that Raz or even Hunderhan could play the number nine. Um, this this evening, I think... Uh, I think Sterling won the pet route. Let's be the number nine. Um, so, yeah, but you know what you're getting into if you buy a, a player like Jesus. He's 3.9% owned and he is creeping into the market force with the Kun Knox. So, there are a lot of people who are looking at him using that kind of old fashioned mantra. There is one kind of very, very big positive in Jesus's favor, which is his, his uh, data per start. So, Whenever he starts, his XG is a massive 0.9 or has been over the course of the season. Over the course of the season as well, his his points per game has been a massive 5.64. So there is definitely maybe some relevance in owning Jesus if you are looking for that. And that's according to Punch Up, we'll have that is. But 
the key factor, the key drawback with Jesus is if we're going down the route of risky Man City picks, Mares at 8.5 million, cheaper than Jesus, has six double-digit hauls this season, the most of any player. And he's also got 8.5 points per 90 versus Jesus is 6.3. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that Jesus would be literally just a differential if you're going for him um, in answer to Charles's question. Um, I can see why you would, but I think that you'd probably be better off going for Mares in your midfield than going for something else in, in that attacking option if you can do it that way around. But obviously it may just be how your squad is set up. What do you guys reckon on Jesus then? Is he the second coming, Nick? Well, it kind of goes back to that conversation we had on the other pod when we talked about Lacazette as well. And neither of them can buy starts at the moment. So even with Agrera out, Jesus didn't, still didn't start the game, did he? And that is obviously concerning when you're looking at who you're buying in your forward line at 9.6 million. Again, I'm not going to be bringing in a guy at 9.6 million. I can't trust a star. But you know, you made an interesting point about Manchester City. It seems to be Mares that seems to be Pep's favourite in the moment in every game. But you know, we, we don't know. He fielded one eleven for one game and basically a, a, a totally different eleven bar Edison and Mares for that second game. But with with City right until the end of the season after that Liverpool game, thirty three to thirty eight, they they've got a fantastic run of fixtures. Surely Jesus is gonna get some game time in those games and you know, you can you can certainly see him getting a few goals in those games as well. So if you if you fancy a bit of a gamble, a bit of a differential, you know, take that pun and go for it. But don't don't be upset if he doesn't start because he can't be trusted to to play every game, can he? Hey, look, put it this way to maybe finish up on Jesus because I think we've we've probably given him more than he's worth already. Um, City play Liverpool this coming game week, um, miles into the future on July second, but this coming game week, and then they have they do have that FA Cup fixture as well. So we've got two extra things to let's say consider Jesus based on. He like he could be injured, uh, maybe one of the other two that uh, Pep named Gundogan or Sterling could be injured. Anything could happen with Jesus, but he's not going to be coming in ahead of this game week. And I think with that in mind, I think we can kind of can that one and move on to the next, which I think will be Aubameyang. And this is kind of a controversial one. I think this is probably the most controversial question in the FPL world right now because the fact of the matter is is that it's been pretty damn disappointing since the uh, football returned. But he plays Norwich, and Norwich have been even more disappointing since the football returned. Yep. Um, it, was, it was really interesting tonight, and it also reinforced um, the fact that two people can watch a game of football and come away with a completely different conclusion. Because I watched that game, and someone like Neil Murray also watched this game, and we both kind of said, I said it, and he said it to me as well on Twitter. Yeah, I'm absolutely fine with captaining him against Norwich this week. And other people were saying, he was so bad, I'm selling him straight away. In fact, he, he, I literally, I've just sold him, that here's my team, I've sold him, I've sold him. Amazing, absolutely incredible the amount of difference in opinion you get from the eye test. Um, and you know, the fact of the matter is, the guy was through on goal three times. The first time, he, there was an amazing save by McCarthy, he probably should have scored. Second time, yeah, he fell over, and the third time, it was a dog so like it, he got pulled back by uh, by the Jack, uh, Jack Stevens, Stevens, wasn't yeah. it? Who, who got, got a red card, yep. right? So, I mean. Another day, that's two or three goals, perhaps. I, I, I just think it was very unlucky, especially with his then, usual chance conversion stats, etc., that we've talked about before. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And then you, you've got Norwich next. I mean, it's one of those things, damned if you do, damned if you don't, now because uh, I've held him for this game in Southampton, literally inches away from being vindicated for doing so. I mean, Nick, you're a fellow owner. What do you reckon? You're, you're 
Yeah, you're holding, right? Yeah. Are you going to capture him as well? Um, yeah, I mean, potentially. I think it's between him and Jimenez. I'm not. I'm certainly not going to be selling him at home to Norwich. And yeah, I, I took the same takeaway from watching the game as you. He, he was very unlucky not to get a return. Seems to be indicative of his performances in the last couple of games because of the Southampton game as well. He, he was creating lots of chances, got a number of shots off, but... Uh, didn't, I think it was an offside goal as well, wasn't it, in one of the games? But he, he just didn't, it didn't happen for him, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, very frustrating as an owner to see a player like Aubameyang Blanc, especially when he is the most expensive, um, well, probably the second most expensive player in my team. But he, he also got the, the lowest score in my team. He's the only player in my team that got two points or less. So, you know, it feels a bit you know, odd to then go ahead and, and captain the, the lowest scoring player. But... He perhaps is the most explosive player in my team as well, and you know I'm not going to pick one of the Liverpool City guys for that um, crunch match. So he, he does look like the standout captain, apart from perhaps Jimenez. But yeah, he he is going to stay in my team, and and just judging from the sort of our conversation, there hasn't been a single case made for any other any other forward apart from Jimenez and Rashford who are already own. So I don't even know who I'd sell him for anyway at this, yeah. this point, apart from perhaps investing the money elsewhere into midfield or, or defence. Yeah, just hope for the best. Let's, let's move on to what we're going to do. Just to say, obviously, there are people like Vardy out there who didn't mention. He's being sold by a lot of people. I'm sure he's going to bite you at some point. Uh, Calvert-Lewin, I think um, I still own him. He's had more shots on target than any, than any other player since the restart. But maybe Aubameyang might have more now. DCL had more shots Danny. than anyone in game week 31, so doubt yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, still does. Okay. And then you've got Ings as well, still hanging around. Uh, didn't didn't score against Arsenal tonight, surprisingly. I think he captained himself from FPL, I saw. Uh, but yeah, Never mind, Danny. Right. Um, so, what are we doing? It sounds like, Nick, you absolutely hate the strikers. I'm guessing you're just going with Jimenez and Katia and Greenwood, right? Um, just sacking it all off? No, I know you've got a Bamyang as well. Um, no, but is that, is that how you're going to stay? I've got the jar. What are you going to do? Yeah, I've got the jar. The jar. Whiskey in the jar. Yeah. I hate the strikers, but then I went for three strikers because there's there's three decent picks out there which I, I thought stood out and were worth the investment. But if one of them drops off, there's you get you're left with very little. So, yeah, I mean, as I, as I said already, Jimenez, Rashford, Aubameyang, they're staying in my team at least for next week. But after that, I might have to have a rethink in terms of Aubameyang, downgrade him, and reinvest that money elsewhere. I think. I'm sticking with what I'll christen the junior, the JN or uh, Jimenez, Nicasia and Rashford. Look, as I said about Nicasia, I'm just going to keep him now with it being large. And I think he'll play. Rashford is good. Jimenez is good. And that's fine by me. I'm kind of leaving it one more week that I basically get, uh, Jimmy's a must. And the other two are kind of open spots to me at the moment. So I've got Aubameyang and Barnes I really want to get rid of. I could also get rid of Calvert-Lewin as well if there's a third blank. Um, so then I'm in an interesting position where I've got Aubameyang, Barnes and, Dal- and Calvert-Lewin who could go. Calvert-Lewin becomes in Katia, then I could become get Rashford and Mares, or I could get Jesus and Martial. So it's basically Jesus, Martial versus Rashford and Mares. I don't know at this point because I'm doing the transfer next week and I'm just not worried about price changes or anything like that because at the end of the day, it's, it's too late now. Um, but yeah, interesting position, interesting kind of option. And it, it's crazy as well, but it's created so much market activity for something that in some ways we, we all kind of were a bit sceptical on, to be honest. But there you go. Hopefully that um, helped you with your forward focus going forward if you're caught in the bind in this sort of way. And uh, yeah, we'll um, take a break there and move on to the final section of today's pub. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Right. 
we're back and uh, it's, it's time to catch up with the mini league. And, and Stag, you have the numbers, don't you, this week? Uh, what, what's happening in the who got this, this mini league? Uh, what, what's ha- who's top now? Any changes? Actually, quite a lot of changes. And I think the, the bigger story with the league this week is more of collapses than it is of, you know, any major gains. Um, poor Mark Bird, I think, is the headline story. He's dropped from sixth to 36, uh, courtesy of just 46 points this week. Uh, he basically had Alexander Arnold, Kevin De Bruyne, Harry Kane captain and a lot of blanks, which is um, particularly Painful, and there have been a few others who have dropped out of the top ten too. But I guess getting to the top ten itself, Sean B never forget with eighty three points on his wild card. So fair play, Luke Burgess is joined tenth with Lukewarm FC. He's down from fourth and getting sixty five points with his wild card team. Um, Kane captaincy, I think, is the the main issue there. FPL Lewis is ninth with return of the snag. He also wild carded and captained Mane, so he got on just fine to seventy five points. Seventh is Balondrigi with uh, that was by Sam Oz FPL. He's on 1,981 points. He free-hitted and actually did quite well. He captained Rashford and he had uh, Martinez, Chilwell, Alexander-Arnold, Doherty, and then the likes of Salah, Son and Rashford captain along with Mr. Reliable Jimenez. Seventh as well as joint is Neil Thompson, uh, 1,981 points as well, obviously, with Salah captaincy. Nothing particularly outlandish in his team except for perhaps Juan Bissaka who got 11 points and I guess Pope who had 10 for him. Up from 14th, I think it's the biggest gain in the top 10, is Adi Mansour. Um, so up from 14th to 6th with 1,982 points. With a free hit team, um, he's done quite well. So De Gea, Doherty, Van Dijk and Alexander-Arnold. So a bit like Tom there. Then he has, he has Son, he captained Salah and he also had Jimenez and Rashford. So solid going there. Fifth, uh, up from sixth, is Andrej Dikos with 1,983 points. Um, pretty standard team as well there. Declan Rin is up from 11th to 4th, which is um, a pretty good climb on his wildcard as well. He listened to us on the pod and brought in Matt Ritchie and Ibrahim Saar and then has a relatively template normal team from there. In third and maintaining position is Jake Gallagher, 73 points this week, so solid going again. In second is Damir Defterovic. Uh, he had 90 points this week, so not quite as good as Nick, but pretty solid going. He wildcarded as well, brought in Pope, had Alexander-Arnold, obviously, and then had a fairly standard team across the way from that. And then in first still is a good friend from Twitter, Manoj Avery. He has um, wildcarded as well. He captained Salon way to 88 points. Pope, Trent, Maguire, Doherty, Salah captain, uh, San. Deli Ali is an interesting uh, aside in there. He's got Bruno Fernandes, Calvert Lewin, Rashford, and Jimenez as well. So pretty good going there, MJ. Yeah, well done, MJ, yet again. Um, see if you can close it out now and not run long to go. Right, let's move on to the questions. Um, thanks very much for the questions this week. Uh, just to start off anyway with the, the obvious thing, which is United. Um, the first question, actually, I mean, let's combine the first two. Uh, the first question was generic Martial question. I'm sure you can guess. It says the caustic Adam Pritchard at 3-5-2 and all-out United attack. So desperately seeking Duzan. Allen asks if we should bother with the defence at United given their attack and just go for a forward-facing threesome. And uh, Rohan Pai are similar. Which three are the best? So, yeah, um, I mean, Nick, you did uh, start to kind of go into this earlier on, didn't you, in terms of maybe just saying, you know, that Masters get all free because that's probably the most aggressive way of putting things. Um, do you think that defence is worth considering? You saw Adam, Adam uh, Wan-Bissaka, for example, got, got an assist, did pretty well this week. Um, but is it all about Martial, Rashford and Bruno? And how important is Martial in all this too? Uh, yeah, I, I do think the defence are strongly worth considering. I mean... 
we've said they're fixtures before, but just looking at them again, I just can't see hardly any of those teams even scoring a goal against Manchester United. Like the Brighton are not going to score, are they? Or, um, you know, Bournemouth or Villa, Southampton, Sheffield United. There's, there's going to be plenty of clean sheets in, in the next few games, provided De Gea doesn't make any more howlers or Maguire doesn't get turned on the ball or anything. <laughs> you know, I, I am pretty confident in the defence and the likes of AWB. As you mentioned, he did pick up an assist as well. So, you know, there are, are the potential for the attacking returns. Maybe um, Maguire can get his slap head off, off, on the ball off a corner, perhaps. So, um, I, I certainly think Manchester United triple up. Yeah, you know, I only have two actually, and I haven't figured out how to get a third in quite yet. But I certainly think the triple up, you know, definitely really, really good idea. Uh, but it is, it's, it is a, to to use the parlance that I've used before. It, it's tough, isn't it, to kind of say who's who's best out of you know Bruno Fernandez. Well, he was on trend ultimately. He was very very trendy pick um, until this game week when Martial turns up with a hat trick, and now we're all kind of like, which Manchester United players do we pick? Do we Scrap Rashford, no, he got two assists as well. So uh, I'm not going to say either way here. I'm not going to give an answer. I think it's down to your own team and your setups. And don't and don't do minus. Don't do the old Liverpool red roulette and start transferring out a player to bring in another one because that ends up always. Um, you know, you end up shooting yourself in the foot doing that kind of move. We've seen many times before with Liverpool players. Yeah, I mean the red roulette is exactly what came to mind when I was thinking about this this question in general. Like, I think that as you said earlier, there's a complete and obvious reason why you would, if you were on a wild card on a free hit, go for Martial, Bruno, and Rashford. Um, I mean, Martial is getting the majority of the big chances actually for United, and he's top of these. Uh, the fact that he's top of these also means that he's top for XG. Um, as I noted last week, he wasn't very good for the Mourinho game, but for the sort of games he's got upcoming, yeah, he's going to be pretty damn good. Eight million as well. well 8.1 by the time this goes out, I'm sure. I mean, on the other hand, you've got Bruno. And Bruno, I mean, I saw one article in One Parish this week that Bruno and Pogba could not play well together. I mean, it was one game, let's be fair. I think that would need some time to develop, but Pogba's ability to move the ball forward, as highlighted by the Premier League panel account, alongside Bruno's and Sysoners, I think will eventually work well. It just needs need to build some familiarity. Anyone who's played a football manager or you know, watched football will know that people players need time to build that relationship. And Rashford needs to be more threat than provider. I did notice, I mentioned earlier, a lot of um, AWB rampaging. And Maguire as well had a goal ruled out, um, as I mentioned at the right at the top. I mean, basically, Martial, you know, if you've got a spot to fill, definitely buy him in. Um, and I'd be looking for a trip at the triple attack to differentiate if I had a wild card. But two out of three of those is fine, too. Um, you know, I've got Maguire, so I'm going to keep him. And I'm probably going to have one of Rashford or Martial alongside Bruno, who I do own. You're going to have to be braced some weeks of uh, losing out on the red roulette, basically. Um, I, I just think that's just me how it is. And if you are particularly worried about losing out, then get free. But that in itself does bring some disadvantages. So filling those spots with Man United players may mean that you can't buy other players then. All in the United, I think. Yeah, I'll, I'll tie it up pretty quickly, but I used my um, transfers this week pretty much to complete my Man United spine. So I have all three of Maguire, Bruno Fernandes and Marcus Rashford. I'm quite content with it. I, I think that obviously, to be honest, I really didn't consider Martial, especially after seeing the Spurs game. Um, initially now I think I, I would if I was in a different world I might be trying to figure out a way to bring him in but I'm going to stick with the spine I have also just one person we didn't mention there was well in detail I guess was Pogba he did create more chances than anyone else in the last game just didn't quite happen to work out the right way for him so 
look, we know how explosive he can be as well. And perhaps he's the somehow the uber differential in there because everyone's flocking now to get Martial, having previously flocked to get Rashford and having previously flocked also to get Bruno Fernandes. So there are, there are so many options there. It's, it's, it's nice to feel that way about Manchester United because there were quite a few years where you were pretty much allergic to 90% of their squad. Well, from an FPL perspective, given those price points, I think that it's also very nice to feel good about United. Um, and the downside with Pogba is the fact that one, those stunted little annoying run-ups and penalties won't be seen um, because Bruno and also Rashford appear to be higher up in pecking order. So you're relying on, he, I mean, he's created four chances if you take a single shot, right? Yep. So you, you're you relying on assists with Pogba. So maybe you might be saying, well, Martial is 8.0. Why wouldn't I just buy him, you know? Um, but you're looking for differential here. I can see why you go there, but I think the, the case is fairly overwhelming with Martial. Let's move on to the next question, uh, which is Sunset. So um, FPL Connect uh, says uh, when he was watching Spurs in possession, and identified that Davies was operating a third CB slot. Ah, oh, Ben Davies, how, how far you've fallen. Um, and Son was supplying that width on the left rather than Davis. Um, so Connect says he's far less dangerous than Kane, meaning is Son worth keeping for owners slash still worth considering for non-owners? Uh, Nick, Spurs fan, what, have you, what did you make of Son's performance and do you think he's worth our consideration? So, so yeah, I, I do remember actually when we had um, Josh um, at Distance Covered um, on the podcast, it was something that he actually highlighted um, when he came on that Davies was dropping into sort of a back three and this was allowing the likes of Serge Aurier to, who, who played extremely advanced in that game. He was basically hugging almost like an attacking right winger and, and Son was doing the same as sort of almost like an attacking left winger or perhaps a wing back. Um, it would be better way of describing both players and and yeah, I mean, from in terms of Aurier, it actually maybe piqued my interest a little bit in terms of five point zero million. I was surprised to see he had the third most assists out of all defenders over the course of the season. It's just a shame that Spurs have had hardly any clean sheets, isn't it? Otherwise, he would be a pick. And he, I don't actually rate him as a player either. He he, uh, he always gives the ball away like in dangerous positions, especially in that Manchester United game. It's like, oh, just get rid of it, Aurier. But that's beside the point. In terms of FPL and back to the, the main crux of the question with with Son, um, I, I I still think he's probably the best um, attacking pick at Spurs. I started to look at Bergwijn, but he didn't start. And, and Son, even though he was on the wing, he did actually pick up the. Um, uh, what would have been a goal had it not been for a, a very, very marginal offside. So that, that was quite unlucky in terms of um, attacking returns. And he also did pick up an assist and he, and he was looking pretty dangerous, even though he was on his wing, he would, you know, cut inside and then get a few um, runs into the box and things like that. So I, I do think, I do still rate him um, as as a decent pick. I think he created three chances as well, which was top five for midfielders in, in that game week. And uh, yeah, I, I do really like um, Son as a pick, even though I'm still a bit sceptical about the, the Spurs fixtures that are coming up. I'd look at him, and I think he is a luxury differential given the price point. But the issue with him was the average position. Um, so I had a look at the heat map on sofa score. I, had, I did watch the game. And for me, he's so far wide compared to the central role we need to see him in, or at least cutting inside to be a realistic FPL asset. But... I'm a little bit worried about him. I definitely, if I was an owner, be thinking it's cause of concern. And as non-owner, I'm kind of a little bit put off. It's kind of like Leroy Sane syndrome, uh, where the manager is forcing him to go flankwards to provide width where we actually want them as FPL managers to be cutting inside like a surgeon. 
hopefully it's because Bergwijn didn't play because I noticed that Lucas was tracking inside more often um, and Son was the one who's providing width and Bergwijn when he played was the one providing width so maybe that's just a case of personnel that were being used you know Lucas last year used a centre forward on occasion as well so I think he does naturally do that and Son also naturally does do that but it looks like Mourinho said right Sonny you go wing Lucas you pull in a little bit more and um, maybe it's just a case of formation being used and so did they maybe be holding out to hope that Bergwijn and Son are the two kind of wingers but yeah as a non-owner I'm just I'm a little bit less interested now I mean I, I wasn't I was kind of on the side if I had a wild card and I didn't use the UT obviously I went for free hit um, but if I did have a wild card I'd, now I'd maybe be interested in throwing him in as a little differential but he is a bit of a luxury differential for me, and that money, as we've spoken about a lot, is abundantly better spent than other places, such as United Builders. Right, next question then. Uh, big at, is big at the back back? So FPL Goops, uh, similar to James Crawford's question last week, asked, with clean sheets plenty, who do you recommend to include in take four of the big at the back incarnation? I'll, uh, I'll drop some stats initially. And I think, so we're starting to see that the Premier League is echoing um, a particular trend that we saw with the Bundesliga that in that there are more clean sheets. And I, look, I think if you've just been watching your own points tallies and an awful lot of backlines on Twitter, you'll know that there are an awful lot of clean sheets coming in. But um, based on the average of the rest of this season, they're up 50%. So it's you know, a pretty remarkable um, jump, really, in the number of clean sheets so far on you know a per game basis in this uh, very very early days of this season. We've also seen shots in the box drop down by twenty one percent, which is huge, and I think that would um, you know account for quite a lot of the whole clean sheets going up thing. So, basically, yes, big at the back is has foundations anyway to return i think obviously you're going to have one of those big at the back players it has to be trent alexander arnold um if you're trying to have some sort of foil there with uh, robertson as a second option uh, it's it's dangerous if you're trying to replace trent i think but having him as a second player he's obviously a pretty good pick there too and if you're not going to get into the whole salaman i think great fair, fair enough for you and then there are plenty of other good forwards we've our defenders we've often We've talked about Doherty quite a lot and Doc or Mr. D, depending on who wants to call him what. Um, there are a serious amount of good options. Yeah, so on, on my wild card, as, as Tom alluded to, I kind of went from less of a big at the back, more boring at the back, but all, all the kind of cheaper options that kind of delivered, you know, instead of Doherty, I went for Sice and, and Sice still got, you know, a bonus point and, and stuff. And, you know, I had Soyuncu instead of sort of one of the you know, the Leicester fullbacks at Chilwell maybe. But, um, you know, I think, yeah, big at the back certainly does seem like it is um, back on, back on trend with all those clean sheets, a lot of um, attention. And I think if, I think sort of, you know, in relation to the question, if I had unlimited budget, if I could spend what I'd want, Trent obviously would still say there, probably Doherty as well, thanks to the um, fantastic Wolves performances over the, over the course of the season. He had upgraded size. I think if, if I had to pick sort of four defenders, I'd, I'd probably stick another Liverpool guy in there like Robertson, but that sounds like a bit of a boring thing to say. So perhaps my other slots would go to Luke Dean and Marcus Alonso for that Chelsea run as well. He's he's netted four goals um, this season, despite only actually having played 11 games or or 12, if you count a one-minute cameo. So he's um, someone that I would perhaps consider for for those Chelsea fixtures. As we said, they're really, really good actually for the next five game weeks and he could he seems to be back in the team as well and looks like a bit of a luxury differential there part of me wishes that the transfer market was all about defenders this week because i can name far more defenders than i can strikers i'm interested in it's a bit silly um so 
I mean, um, I've got TAA, obviously. Um, I'm buying Doherty this week. Um, and then there's a gamut of players. So I've got Maguire myself. But I've noticed that Wan-Bissaka actually was doing stuff going forward rather than just being a body. That was really interesting. That he actually does seem to have developed some sort of forward ability. Um, so maybe I'd be interested in him over Maguire if I was wildcarding now. Um, Aurier at uh, Spurs. Uh, Mourinho said that I've literally only got Aurier who can play right back. That's it. Um, but yeah, Aurier was playing as a really far forward because Ben Davis was tucking into that centre-back position. As Piliqueta at Chelsea um, has been very, very good, actually, old man Dave. Not doing too badly at all, getting up and down that flank. Uh, Luca Dean, um, I still think he's a bit of a dark horse, even if Everton are on the are on the beach. There's just so many there that you could possibly be looking at. And you know, in goal as well, you could feasibly chuck in the likes of Edison, De Gea, Lloris, something like a Rui Patricio. Like I wouldn't recommend you do that, but you could make a case because they're covering a defender in some ways to do that. Because if you know, like likes of Rui Patricio or something, you pay five point two million for a goalkeeper who's got who's got really good fixtures going forward. Um, I really think that TAA should be in everyone's team. That's just a given. And then I think that Doherty should be in everyone's team as well. I think that's probably. You know, beginning to get towards a given now um, and then beyond that you've got such a lovely wide range of defenders that actually it doesn't matter too much which you go with because at the end of the day they're going to be scoring you points that the beauty is almost that the start of this year we wouldn't break at the back and for a variety of reasons Alisson getting injured a few stupid mistakes by Adrian it didn't quite work out now go big at the back like you know we have the likes of nick scoring ridiculous points we have the likes of lot, many other people scoring like ridiculous points by defense this week as and points were creeping up somehow at the back despite doing nothing going forward so it may be the time to big at the back and now i've said all of that and given it a ring endorsement it could be an absolute it's going to be an absolute fair as in next week but there you go if you look at it at the fixtures especially it's West Ham have good fixtures but you wouldn't go near them with a 10 foot barge pole and then you're really looking at United who we've obviously covered and Chelsea and there's obviously Dave as you've mentioned Marcus Alonso and then there are just you know, there's the more dependable centre-backs there too. But I think, to be honest, Alpericueta, you know, matches that. And I think as well, City defenders definitely need to be coming onto our radar from 33 onwards. So basically the other side of this Liverpool game, they're actually a differential too because under normal circumstances, you wouldn't necessarily have them. I'd almost be tempted to just say... Edison or bust because you don't really know what City defenders are going to play. Like you, you just wouldn't be surprised to see him roll Harwood, Bellis, and Hunderhan as a sense about pairing for some reason. Like just because he fancies it, basically. In normal circumstances, you'd say yeah, Laporte if they had something to play for, but they simply don't. So I just, I just can't. I, I don't. I think it'd be a bit of a waste of money, really, given the other. The other defenders who are out there, so I don't name any. But no, I can see why you would make the case there without destroying your point entirely. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Cool. Let's yeah, move on to Chip. You fancy lockdown hero Carl Walker? I mean, goal line clearance hero now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. He's definitely conscious set and jokes being made there. Anyway, uh, let's move on to Chip's breakdown. So FPL eulogy says for people with wild card and bench boost left, when is best to use these? Let's widen this little bit to talk about our situations with our chips and kind of if we do have a strategy about how we're going to be deploying them going forward. Um, just to say to uh, answer that particular question that the key thing is to uh, to give the kind of vanilla advice is to do it when it fits your team. But the longer you leave it, the less value you're probably going to get out of it. However, that said, it's fine to say that if you're going for a big bang, so wildcard 37, bench boost 38 or something, that that's also cool to do. Right. In terms of our chips, then, what the hell are we doing? Because I've got no idea. I'm my, my plan is literally to bench boost when my 
dubs all look like they've got a decent set of fixtures. That's literally as far as I've got with my plan. Game week 37 looks like it may be the case because I've got Sice and I've got Charlie Taylor as the two members of my defense of my bench who are always going to be on my bench, I think, at this point. And that if I keep with uh, McCarthy and Henderson as my goalkeepers, subpar, I know, but it's goalkeepers. I'm not going to make a transfer there. So 37 looks like all three of them have got decent fixtures. So it looks like I just need to make one more transfer to get that fifth defender of decent fixture and then I'm good for 37 bench boost but if I do blunder into a better set of fixtures to bench boost into I'll do it then yeah that's kind of where I am at the moment just bench boost alone uh, do you guys have any uh, well laid meticulous plans or is it just the uh, same as me certainly not well um, well put together plans at all I'm similar to you in that I have the bench boost and I also have my free hits so I'm well, I have to sell good old Jay Leno, Burnt Leno, uh, before I can bench boost at all. So I'm I'm down a player already. So we need to fix that problem, and then I'll just basically watch for the fixtures to come around. I don't know what I'm going to do to my team in the next five weeks because we just don't know what's happening. So I'll just keep an eye out and watch. With regards to my free hit, uh, Tom, you might edit this out, and if you do, okay, fair enough. But I've been looking at the crowds on Bournemouth Beach and expecting that we might have a double game week at some point, um, with a fixture getting cancelled. So I will continue to uh, wait for that uh, yeah I, th- I think obviously I've used my wild card and bench boost now in the last couple of game weeks of um, aiding my score so I've only got left now the, the free hits and I'm probably going to hang on to that right until the end uh, most likely game week 38 see what happens with that game week uh, but yeah that's that's when I'll probably be using it as you sort of have all the game starting at the same time might be some leaks that hopefully are reliable so uh, that's most likely when I'm going to be uh, um, using my chips I think I was thinking about the question in terms of when best to use them and you know what's happening and I, I did kind of like the idea of game 33 is a good time to wildcard just because it's a bit of a fixture shift and um, that's after the Liverpool Manchester City game and after that Liverpool Manchester City just have amazing runs right until the end of the season so you know i you, you wouldn't want a wild card this week because you wouldn't be really targeting Liverpool and Manchester City players for this um, game. And so I'd probably suggest 33 for the wild card. And you also see a few teams like Arsenal and Leicester and Wolves, um, their fixtures start to stiffen a little bit in 33 as well. So that was kind of my my suggested time. Maybe even ben, if you're not with a wild card, bench boost that week as well because there's nice home games for a lot of teams. Cool. All right. Excellent. Makes sense. Right. Final bit then, transfers and captains. Um, for me this week, I'm going to be making one move. I've got two transfers, three transfers in the bucket. I'm going to keep one and use one. Um, I'm going to do VVD to Doherty. And then I'm going to uh, captain Aubameyang at the time of rising. Um, and I think it's going to stay there. Um, I've recently realized that it's been a story of over four captains. So first week back, yeah, okay, Sterling made a lot of sense. But probably should have captained Kevin De Bruyne, shouldn't I, if we're going for the wherever you are, play like you're winning mantra. This week, Salah was obviously the best captain in retrospect in, in hindsight. And I went for Bruno. I think I was probably being a bit too clever. And to be honest, when I saw that I'd gone for it, James Plant, FPL had gone for it, David Monday had gone for it, et cetera, et cetera. It was always going to be a fail, wasn't it? Um, so, I mean, if I've had two failed captaincies in a row from overthinking it, looking at this week's fixture list, you've got Aubameyang versus Norwich. And Arsenal have three days rest after they cup. Norwich have two. So Norwich have got a tired defence against an elite striker. Okay, can I overthink this? Probably I can, 
Should I? No, no. I'm so glad that the game week <laughs> deadline is going to be Saturday. I'm going to leave it on the Bamiang, I think, and hope for the very, very best. But yeah, one transfer, the other one saved to make fun, uh, to have fun with the uh, with the bonanza of cash I'll get from selling, smashing the Bamiang uh, cash cow the day the week after. But yeah, um, that will basically be it. And I'm going to bench Barnes as well and play Sice this week. Finally, I bet this is a bit of bait. Barnes actually does something, and Sice uh, uh, loses clean sheet. So there was some massive talk earlier in the pod from me um, suggesting that maybe Eddie Nicotia might get the call for the captaincy. I don't think it's going to happen. Nicotia, Nicotia. I have never, I've never figured out how to say Nicotia, Nicotia, Nicotia. That's that's so embarrassing the pronunciation error from you. It's terrible. It's terrible, especially because I'm getting like definitely get the Portuguese ones all wrong anyway. Bruno Fernandes. Anyhow, um, yeah. I, I don't think he's actually going to end up being captained in the end. It's unlikely to be a player participating in the City versus Liverpool game or the other way around, Liverpool at home, Liverpool versus City game. Um, so after that, it could be Honest Raul. It could be another Man United player just for the crack. Maybe it'll be Doherty away to Aston Villa just because, you know, home doesn't matter anymore. I'm not quite sure is the honest answer. I'm t- certainly going to sleep on it um, twice, which would be nice. Going to sleep on a captaincy decision twice for once in the new season. Yeah, I think for, for me, um, I'm going to be rolling my transfer. Um, there's nothing urgent that needs to be done. And I'd rather have two free transfers to to think about um, once I probably sell Aubameyang and start to get a, a third Liverpool for, or another Manchester City or United player in. So that's what I'll probably be doing is just, just rolling it for this game week at least. Um, and in terms of the captain, it is between Jimenez and Aubameyang. You know, we talked about it extensively. I'm probably leaning towards Aubameyang with the armband at the moment. Just feels like the more exciting, slightly more explosive pick. Um, so possibly him. I think will be getting the the armband. But yeah, still kind of deciding there. Perfecto. So those are our teams. Best of luck to everybody this coming weekend and after that, because this is one of the most stretched out game weeks that I've seen in a long time. But we were who got the assist. Thanks so much for listening to this. Yeah, thanks, guys. Um, And we'll be back next Thursday for another quick turnaround record after quite a slow burn game week that's going to be happening over the next week. Well, you guys heard it all. That's a lot this week. I hope this assists you. Choose your striker in game week 32. Uh, But for now, I'll speak to you very, very soon. Farewell. Slan. All right. Quarter to 12. Jeez. All right. Okay. I'll better go. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.